Welcome to Series 2 of the GM Moving Podcast, where we share with you how we're enabling people to get moving. I'm Eve, Strategic Director at Greater Sport, leading, supporting and connecting GM Moving, Greater Manchester's Movement for Movement. Supported by investment from Sport England, Greater Manchester Partners have been taking a whole system, place-based approach to embed physical activity into everything. For happier, healthier, more connected communities and active lives for all. In each episode, we share stories of what this looks like in action in each of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester. So for today's conversation, I'm in the Manchester Chamber of Commerce and speaking to Tracy Loomer from Bolton and Nicole, one of my greater sport colleagues in the Central GM local pilot team, supporting work across the whole of GM. Active Lives data suggests that Bolton has some of the lowest physical activity levels of the 10 GM boroughs, with over 30% of adults moving for less than 30 minutes a week. In this episode, you will hear about the work going on in Bolton to make physical activity everyone's responsibility and to harness the power of the community and blended teams. I start by asking Tracy to share with you a bit about what's brought her to this work. So I've been in Bolton for as far as 18 years now, so a very long time. Started with uh, youth offending work, that's my background. Crime criminology is my background. Came to Bolton to manage uh, antisocial behaviour project that happened to be within the sports team at that time, which was 18 years ago. So it was using sport and physical activity as a way of engaging young people away from antisocial behaviour which was a bit of a laugh amongst my friends because I'm not exactly, wasn't exactly sporty. But I think working through and working with lots of active people, you do see the benefit of being active. It isn't something I have to say I enjoy, but I know I have to do it. (laughs) But I have an eight-year-old who's very active. And so he plays football and he also plays rugby, of which I coach the under-9s rugby team. And more recently, I've started to cycle, um, price of fuel and all of that lot. So my, me and my son cycle to school every day. And I find what works for me is if I fit it into my working day, then I know I will be active. So cycling twice a day up the hills of Ramsbottom. And I've also just started to do um, a strength and conditioning class as well. So I do that twice a week. So as I'm getting older, I'm like a bit more active. I mean, that sounds pretty impressive. And I cycle to work twice a week as well. Very good. It's interesting. I've had a few conversations with people recently around, obviously, the cost of living and people thinking about switching to active travel in recognition of the the reduced costs. So it's, it's a motivator, isn't it, for quite a few people. Um, So in terms of your professional role, your local pilot lead in Bolton, that will mean something to some of our listeners? It'll mean nothing to lots of them? So my role, as I say, I joined Bolton 18 years ago working in the sports development team as was then very traditional and kind of worked my way up through the ranks through to being the sport and active living operations manager. So the local pilot work sits under the Sport and Active Living team and has done since it started. Uh, More recently, we moved into the public health team last year. And because of the work that um, I've done around COVID, 
I'm seconded into a... Sounds very grand, this title. (laughs) And I always feel a bit of a fraud when I say it. So I'm now a public health specialist. That's what I'm seconded into. But one of my asks when I was asked to do this was that I still maintain and manage the local pilot work because it's embedded into all of the work that we are doing in Bolton. Fantastic. And we talk a lot about obviously working across sectors, the whole system as part of the local pilot and in in all our work in GM Moving. And already from your description there, so youth justice, sport and leisure sector, public health, working within COVID, clearly you're doing that in practice. You are somebody who has moved around all parts of the system. And I can imagine that brings a huge amount of value to the work that you do. So in terms of then the work, what does the local pilot, what does that even mean to you in Bolton? We were the, uh, it was a tortoise and the hare effect, I think, in Bolton. And we were definitely the tortoise to start off with. I think we had some issues to get sign off right at the very beginning because it was a totally new approach. Bolton's very, does things Bolton way. Very traditional local authority. Um, We do things for people. And I remember the day that Kate walked in from Sport England, walked into, and I'm trying to think who our relationship, oh, Matt Johnson walked into our boardroom to present the local pilots to all our partners. It, It didn't go down very well, shall I say, that people were a little bit you want to give us all this money and you're not really giving us lots of KPIs and outcomes. And and and, and, it, and it sounds funny now, but we, we actually had two people walk out the room and went, we can't work in wow. this way. What a story to start off with. And I think when we talk about kind of moving from old ways of working and old power to new power, that's such an illustration, isn't it? As you described there, what you put as traditional as doing things for people, that quite paternalistic approach. And then that's scepticism about well well, we're doing it already or we don't want to do it that's not going to work or here we go again so that's quite a lot to shift what's happened I'm assuming it has shifted I was very clear from the offset that the local pilot was not sitting alongside of anything we had to embed it into our own service because if we didn't embed it into our own service and we didn't work in that way how were we ever going to expect partners and other service users to also deliver in that way we've adopted that way of working so everything that we did within our own department was the local pilot way it wasn't necessarily funded by the local pilot but it was the principles of the local pilot it was the terminology it was the language I think I'm a, I'm a post girl for COVID because COVID has been amazing for us. And I know I really shouldn't, you know, it, it's been terrible for lots of people. But it really highlighted the work that we were doing, the principles of the local pilot. And then I think our move into public health um, was very, very timely. We moved into public health right at the very beginning of when Bolton made the news for all the wrong reasons. We were the top of the table for cases. Public health have was a very, very, very small service within the local authority. More of a strategic service. Wasn't very equipped with dealing with operational organisation. And so because Bolton's case rates were extremely high, we got intervention by the Cabinet Office who 
sent the military into Bolton and sent the national team into Bolton. And public health were responsible for coordinating all of that. I got I was in public health for two weeks and then got asked if I would coordinate that response because they didn't have anybody with that operational experience within public health team. So I was taken and seconded over to that literally about four days before the operations were due to start in our localities. And I was very, very clear from the offset that I was doing it using the principles of the local pilot. So doing it co-designing making those system changes. I mean, somebody's got to do it, haven't they, managing 100 army men, you know. I mean, there was a few women in there, but they were mainly men. And they turned up boots on the ground, as we say, on the Friday, and it was just very bizarre. We all turned up at this community centre, and they were all in combats. And I said to them, have you not got anything a bit softer you can wear? And they were like, what do you mean a bit soft? I was like, it's a bit, it's a bit heavy, isn't it? And this was at the time when Bolton, when everybody else was coming out of lockdown, there was rumours on the news that Bolton was going to stay in lockdown and Bolton had been in lockdown longer than anybody else. And I was saying, this is not good. You know, there's been no announcement made as of yet. All people are going to see is these hundred military men walking around our communities and it's going to be, my God, they're locking us down. The rumour mills are going, to be, are going to be out there. So I met with the military and very high up personnel. They all told me extremely posh in the military. And um, they were like, OK, this is the plan. So we are going out at 8 o'clock in the morning. We will be posting leaflets through people's doors. And we will be telling them that the day after Saturday we'll be coming around, we'll be surge testing in this area. So I said, no, that's not happening. And they said, no, that's how we do it. And I went, no, that's not how we do it in Bolton. So I said, we cannot put boots on the ground at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning in the middle of Halliwell. So I managed to kind of get it done my way. And I'd spoke to lots of partners, lots of faith groups. And I said, we got, we're starting at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock is, a, is a, people might actually be out of bed at 10 o'clock. And so um, we coined the phrase of having blended teams. And I remember turning up at this community hall and we had put a call out for community members to come and support us so that when they were going out in the communities, people would recognise them, would speak to them. We had lots of language barriers within this locality. And... I was absolutely amazed at the the amounts. Within 24 hours, the amounts of people that turned up. We had imams from the local mosque. We had vicars from the local churches. The passion was was so deep to make a difference. And we've got pictures of them standing with big Berlin military people and 70, 80-year-old ladies in burkas. We've got the imams, we've got vicars, we've got all of that. That's how we ran our activities for, the, for four weeks. And it was so successful. The power of the community was so successful. That behaviour change happened instantly. We threw the rule book out the window. Our marketing is normally, our brand is so strictly controlled normally. But we were tweeting, we weren't putting branding on things. The community were telling us how they wanted messages, where did they want their information from. We had mosque leaders giving out information out in the mosque. We were, were recording people on doorsteps. We got those gobby people in communities 
to actually put things out over our social media channels to tell people to go and get the vaccine to do the test. And it, it, it was an amazing four weeks and the result of that, we drove the case rates that low that we were actually the lowest in GM. And it just demonstrated the power that if the com- you get the community behind a cause, then that behaviour change happens. It happened quickly. And that only happened because all partners came together with the community. Everything was co-designed with the community. So partnerships that we'd probably previously struggled to, to form because different agendas come to the table, all of a sudden everybody just had that one agenda. So COVID's shone a massive light on the powers of community. And so our phrases of blended teams then got adopted across and that was how they started to deliver surge activities going forward with our friends in green, as we call the military now. And the accolades from the military about how they now work with civilians and communities when they do their community engagement, so they call them MACAs, which is military aided civilian authority so it's when they come out and work with the communities but they'd never done it before and they learned so much and again they were feeding back to me and there's one particular one when we very first did it and we blended the teams and he was only a young soldier and he came back to me at the end of the day and he said to me I get it now. I didn't get it at the beginning of the day. And what he'd done is he was paired with two quite elderly ladies and he thought, they're going to slow me down. So he sent them off on, on one street and they went off on the other. And actually they didn't get a good response. The language barrier was there. People weren't opening the doors for them. There was fearful of them. And actually he, he then paired back up with them and he said the response that they were getting on the doorstep from people was extraordinary. So he definitely changed the way of his thinking just within a short space of time. Wow, there is so much in that story that I want to dig into. What's happened that shifted how you work and how you view power and how you clearly now work alongside people and communities and partners as opposed to that approach of a the natural military way of a control and command and power over. It is around leadership, it's around mentoring people. I think there's nothing better when you mentor people through a journey and they come out the other side. Behaviour is very deeply ingrained in people, culture is very ingrained in people. And as I said, Bolton Council is very, very ingrained in its culture. And it's very frustrating sometimes, but since COVID the culture has started to change you know it really has demonstrated that this way of working can have a massive impact and and I defy anybody to to say difference because there wasn't anything else we were doing at that period of time other than all of this surge activity so that it's got to be attributed to that way of working. So we talk a lot, don't we, about the cultural shift that needs to happen in terms of ways of working and approaches. And yeah, you just highlighted there that that cultural shift and behavioural shift can take a long, long time, but COVID has been a real catalyst there. And it sounds like influenced, you know, both those who were in Bolton that time, but you've also influenced in that moment the Cabinet Office, how the military are going to approach in, in other places. And it sounds as though that's really helped to then ingrain within within the council then and within other partners um, this change. Phenomenal. <laughs> uh, so... 
In terms of, you, you referred to, I guess, a couple of the key principles, yeah, that you sort of the local pilot way and, and principles, and you brought a few of those to life. So, for example, there's thinking about the enablers for change that you've yeah. talked there around, you know, involving, the importance of involving communities, involving local partners, and your immediate approach to go to the imams, to go to the faith leaders, to go to local partners and involve them. But it showed you, again, as that other enabler, that kind of strategic leadership to enable distributed leadership. So you played that role in, in immobilizing really all those people to come and play their role in this response along working alongside each other as a blended team any other particular kind of enablers or, or principles i suppose that have you've seen brought to life yeah so that core designing as i say you know bolton's very ingrained in terms of its marketing how we were putting things out there and actually when we went out to communities and we say you know we're talking about the vaccine bus and the testing they were like we don't really go on the Bolton Council website we don't really do that so co-designing that um, community strategy and we still do that now so we co-designed a lot of our communications channels with our community champions and our communities but uh, I do think that distributed leadership was probably one of the biggest benefits that we had and I certainly saw that coming into a, a new team like public health not really knowing the leadership team so I didn't know Helen our director of but I've seen her I've I've, I've, you know I've been in meetings with her but I never had a conversation with her on a one-on-one basis and the leadership skills that they they showed during that that time was the best thing because they believed in me they didn't know me they took a risk on me because I was I'd only been in public health for two weeks and so they showed masses of faith in, in me and my way of wanting to do that. And I would still say that to now it's believing and having trust in people. And that, that probably was one of the biggest things. So that trust and pace, you talked about pace, came up quite a few times before as well. So anything else, I guess, in terms of now thinking around the local pilot and work specifically to enable more people to live an active life? Anything particular about what you've seen in terms of trust and pace? So since the pandemic, as I say, Helen has really seen the benefit of using that approach to drive down health inequalities in Bolton. So as a result of that, they've invested quite heavily into a new engagement team. So that's where I get my grand title of public health <laughs> specialist from. But again, it's that trust now for of, for me to be able to develop this team as I've wanted to do. So what I said again was, I don't want to develop an engagement team that's going in with pre-described public health programmes. I want to go in with a team, with communities that looks at building resilient communities I'm happy to do that so again it's been that trust in me developing this new team that is again working with communities making sure that every all everybody has a voice in everything that we do working on the five ways to well-being of which physical activity is part of the five ways to well-being and I think one thing that I have learned over the last few years is the language and the terminology and getting people's buy-in might necessarily not be by using the words physical activity because actually people will go, what's that got to do with me? I'm not sure how physical activity fits in my area of work. So when you're talking with planners, when you're talking with highways and you start talking physical activity, 
actually it doesn't resonate with them because they, they're not actually sure what physical activity has got to do with them. So I started to change my language and talk about um, healthy life expectancy. And actually in Bolton we can demonstrate, and this is our rationale for the areas that we've chosen to work in, is around people's healthy life expectancies. And we've done a, a mapping document, which is a bus route, and we've mapped main bus routes through Bolton and actually the stark reality of it is if you get on a bus in one area of Bolton and then get off a few stops later you're 24 years less likely to 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 die 24 years than somebody who lives in a more affluent area and so when I'm now talking to partners around their way of working I this is not a public health response this is everybody's response everybody has got to stand up to this and if you're working in a public sector organization you have to take responsibility for that by using that approach people go okay how can we help how can we start to get involved in this because physical activity runs through absolutely everything so we're working really closely within the public health team because again it's new for the public health team so our lead on mental health for example we're talking about physical activity and all the mental health strategies that the that they're currently developing because we know that if you're physically active it affects your mental health so again it's not something that they've ever really thought of but what we want to do is ingrain it embed it so that it's not again an added an add-on it's something that they think about whenever they're putting the commissions out whenever the commissioning providers to deliver their services so it's it's really exciting times there is a huge spotlight on it at the moment which feels a bit like a bit of pressure but what I do keep saying to people consultants and and the director is this is going to take a long time to do our communities are so used to us going in there and doing things for them that we have to break that down first before we can start to rebuild resilient communities and that's going to take a while so it's about that expectation of how long this shift and this change is going to take. Well, I'm glad you're there. <laughs> I mean, they talk about change moving at a speed speed of trust, and it sounds like you're absolutely managing that in terms of recognising how long it takes to build up that trust um, to be able to then move at pace and at scale, as you describe. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, and that change of language that we hear repeatedly has been really key, isn't it, in terms of you know, what's going to resonate for people, both as other system partners in terms of what language you use to influence and inspire them and as people in communities. So many examples in all of that. So I'm just thinking if someone's listening now and they're going, okay, this all sounds great, what difference does it actually make in terms of physical activity? Yeah, so we're working at the moment in very hyper-local areas. And what we've done is we've shifted some of the resources from the local pilot. So we used to fund APOS that managed the local pilot. Now what we've done is we've shifted resources and we've recruited three facilitator posts that are working within hyper-local areas and they're working at developing uh, physical activity champions. So we're creating a network of champions out there that see the benefit of moving more. So we don't talk about physical activity anymore, we just talk about people moving more. We're also now, as I say, 
working with planners who are now taking us seriously. And a, and, a, and a great example I always use with the planners, and I'll always come back to this, we developed a few years ago, and this was pre-COVID, a big site in Bolton, and it's got Aldi, Amazon, the big, you know, the big organisers, and they employ thousands and thousands of people. And what physical activity was was just the bolt-on, the bit of the tick box consultation exercise that they do at the end about a healthy workforce. So the whole site was developed, was built, and then they come then to us and say, how do we make our workforce active? And you go, really? And you think, okay, how do we get money for cycle shelters, for example? And then I, I say this to and I say, had you come to us right at the very beginning of that design, then the design of that complex could have been made in such a way that it just the physical environment was more conducive to people being physically active. We could have developed covered walkways, we could have created more cycles, we could have had car parks that were further away. And so now they're starting to recognise that and so we want to develop and and this is you know it's not part of a planner's handbook you know they're a planner at the end of the day they're not experts but what we're saying is we can help you with that the other bit I suppose I, I need to add to this is I feel like I'm on the ground setting all these fires because I always think that we work in a political environment and if it's not the flavour of the month, sometimes these can be extinguished. Whereas if you've got lots of fires everywhere, it's very hard to extinguish that, isn't it? But I also have a colleague in the chief execs department, and again, she's very new to Bolton, but she just gets it. She just believes in asset-based community development. It's what she lives and breathes. And so she has been working with elected members over the last 12 months around developing community alliances so we have started to make sure that the language that we're using is consistent that we're using with members as well it's now been signed off so they've agreed that our area way of working is changing to more a community asset-based development approach so we've got them pushing from the top. We're pushing from the bottom. So hopefully we'll start to see some considerable change in Bolton in the next few years. We often use the socioeconomic model, which you'll be familiar with, and I know lots of you have adopted it. We call it the, the onion diagram, yeah. people picturing all those multiple layers of the onion. And just listening to you there, you've already talked about the shifts and changes in terms of language and in terms of culture, there's that outer ring. And then you've talked about hardwiring into policy and strategy across a piece, cross sector, everyone's business everyone needs to recognise that physical activity will help them achieve their goals. And then you talked there about obviously conversations with planners who it's great to hear they're now going in, they get it, and how you support them to design in from the beginning, to design active environments. Um, And then you started off at the beginning really talking about the importance of that sort of social environment and those organisations and partners that you have to involve and work alongside from the very beginning. So I guess at the middle of the onion, you've got the individual and you've got, you know, we, we talk about behaviour change and the motivation, capability and opportunity. So is there anything in particular, that, again, that you would say in terms of the approach you've taken through the local pilot, but also in your wider work in Bolton now, in terms of thinking about how we support behaviour change to support more people to live an active life? 
So we've coined the phrase, um, we, we, we've kind of nicked it from every contact counts to every voice counts. We're hashtagging that now, like, like I know what I'm talking about. And I've developed this phrase, community lens. And so what we're doing is we're adding a community lens to everything that we do. So I've challenged public health and I've said to public health, okay, we've got lots of commissions coming up. So at the moment, we're, our sexual health commission is up for renewal. And so I've challenged them and said to them, we tick a box on consultation because it's a statutory duty and we statutory consult with people. But do we really? So we've now developed a process where we're looking at putting this community lens, the community voice, into all of our commissioned work. So, for example, our drugs and alcohol one, we've, um, we're looking at rehabilitation at the moment. Again, we know physical activity plays a massive part in that. So we are co-designing that with communities to say, our recovering community, what do you need that to look like? What have we got currently? Is it working for you? Is it not working? What would you like to see more of? And so we're feeding that back into into our commissioners and we're saying to them, we need this is what our commission services of the future need to look like. And again, I've challenged Helen and the consultants and said to them, if we're asking people and they're taking their time out to talk to us, we need to be listening and we need to be acting and we need to be more importantly feeding back to the community on how we are starting to change and do things differently. So for us, it's really important that we get that community voice into everything that we do. And we're just piloting something at the moment with our over 55s. So there's a piece of work going on at GM and it's around the impact that COVID has had on our over 55s. And we've all jumped to the conclusion that all our over 55s mustn't have been active during lockdown because a large proportion of them have been shielding, therefore they've been in the houses, therefore we need to put lots of resources into uh, strength and conditioning, chair-based exercise. The reality of it is they might have all been doing Joe Wicks at nine o'clock <laughs> and might be coming out really active and really healthy because it's those assumptions that we're making and actually what is a GM picture is not a Bolton picture. So we're doing a bit of a pilot work at the moment with our over 55s and looking at activity levels and looking again at where we would need to put resources because the data that people are currently using to look at, the, there's a data lag, most of it is pre-COVID and as we know we're coming out of the pandemic and things are not what they were before we went in there. So we're really, really passionate about making sure that the voices of our communities are heard in everything that we do as a public health team, but wider within the whole council. What we, what we want to see is that people start using us more and saying, so Age UK, for example, we're doing a lot of work with Age UK around actually what do their services need to look like in the future. So that, that's my big thing from the team is we need to just be asking people a little bit more, you know. And so our three local pilot leads, that will be their role around asking people around physical activity levels, but moving more, what do we need to do there? How can we physical environment play a part in that? But actually, what else do we need to do to support them to move more? So taking it 
an evidence-based approach is key isn't it within the local pilot and that recognizing the importance of both data so like the active lives data but blending that with other data that we have around for example kind of inequalities around demographics and socioeconomic inequalities and spatial inequalities but also as you talk about voice and making sure that that is blended with people's experiences and and their stories and their voice um, as to what matters to them and what gets in the way for them. So recognising that, what what were your original key target groups for the local pilots in Bolton and how has that shifted over the period of, of the local pilot so far? So we've done a lot of work around worklessness, for example, uh, working with one of our big worklessness providers, which is Ingus. And again, it was around those conversations with them to say, actually, within your conversations with your target group, what conversation do you have with people about moving more? And actually what we found was a lot of the workforce were saying to us, I'm quite confident in having conversations with people about moving more because I'm quite active myself. Or actually, I don't really do a lot. I'm not that active myself, so therefore it's not something I'm comfortable in doing. And actually, we widened that conversation. We went and we spoke to HIPS, the HIPS team, and again, they said the same. Social prescribers were saying the same. And what they were all saying is, there's no resource for us to use we don't know where to tend people. We all know the benefits that being physically active is going to have on worklessness. But actually, unless I'm in plugged into that area of work, I don't really know what to do. And so because of that, on the worklessness side of it, we've uh, developed Let's Keep Bolton Moving website. And there's a service area on there where a practitioner can go on and it takes them through a series of questions and all of our activities are going on there and so that they're then able to use that as a bit of a toolkit for them to start having those conversations. So that's still a massive priority for us, worklessness and the over 55s, children and young people, we, we cut across. One that we've not really picked up on as much is the long-term limited illness agenda. But we weren't ever want, we didn't ever want to prescribe that we were just working in that particular area. So you talked earlier about some golden nuggets. Mm-hmm. So any particular kind of golden nuggets or, I guess, acorns that you've seen, you've planted and you've seen grown over the last few years? People are key. If you can find the right people, and these people sometimes are not necessarily where you think they are going to be, if you can find those key people and work with them and get everybody talking in a consistent way, then that's your golden nugget. So for me, when we were doing the surge activity, we put a call out for council staff partners to come and help us to support that. Actually, what we were able to do then is find those golden nuggets in the most unlikeliest of places. We had lots of staff coming from school transport, for example, who were just really passionate about communities. And we had people from the museum, from the lots of people from the libraries. You know, all of these people were working seven days a week with no break for six weeks because of the passion and so we started to deliver some discovery and asset-based community development training and have widened that and we've started to highlight and 
handpick people from other departments who are now on who we just completed one course we're due to start another one in june and these are for me are going to be our key people because they're going to be our advocates out in other departments that you wouldn't probably necessarily think that they were going to be there so for me people mm. are the key mm. so really identifying those those catalysts those golden nuggets yes. or spark plug people both yeah. in the community and then across those different partners yeah. in the system and you talked about so tracy firelighter fire starter tracy <laughs> <laughs> start lighting all these fires across bolton because as you said within a a never-changing pretty challenging landscape uh, that doesn't look like it's going to become any less challenging in the near future you never know which fires are going to be extinguished anything in particular that you've seen um commonly extinguish some of those fires what have been some of the biggest sort of challenges things that i guess squash the oxygen limit the growth of the acorns when you speak to partners about this new way of working they go, oh, it's not a new way of working. This is the way we've always worked. And I find that they are the biggest, the biggest challenges, really, because they genuinely believe they work in this way. As I say, when we put on these courses and we say we'll allocate places to you, to, to you as a partner, we don't need it because we do this. And the other one is elected members. We've got to accept we work in a political environment and the challenges that that brings. Um, It's challenging and also I've been in the local authority long enough to know that these things can change overnight, which is why I'm really keen to make sure it starts to be embedded so that it's difficult to, to quash that. Because naturally now if people start naturally talking a certain way it's always been that way it becomes the norm for people it becomes the new culture and so that's difficult to stop that happening so i think these are quite common themes any tips for people listening anything that you've seen work when faced by those challenges sometimes you've got to learn to move on sometimes you've just got to accept that some people are very deeply rooted into a culture that you need to shift your energies to to ones that you know that you can, you can influence, and quite often the ones that are harder to shift tend to be the older ones. But you just got to accept that we'll be moving on at some point. Keep going, just keep going and celebrating those small wins. But it's recognizing that they are a step in the right direction. Keep finding those key people, and keep the passion and light within those people as well because if they don't see a change as well then they can quite often go off the boil as well and I think for us for 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 the three years leading up to Covid it's been incredibly frustrating times where I've thought what am I even doing in Bolton because whatever we're doing is not making a difference and as I say Covid comes along and, and shines a spotlight on the work the fantastic move into the public health team, having that change in leadership, having new people coming into our chief execs, it's changed the direction almost overnight. Yeah, and believing it. I think that's that's the thing because people can go along with it and say, Yes, I believe, but if you if you don't, it's you're not going to have that longevity, are you? Being very intentional, it sounds, around where your attention energy goes. Yeah. So, what do you think the future 
looks like? I'm, I'm really optimistic of the future. And as I said, been in local authority a long time, so I'm used to having that quick shifts. But I think because we've now got a top-down approach, as, a, as I've always been pushing from the bottom... I think that Bolton in the next two years is going to see a really big shift towards this new way of working. I think we've got the right key people in the right areas and the people who believe in it. And I think for Bolton, it's really exciting times to be in Bolton. And I mean, I'm hoping that the environment in Bolton starts to change, that we can start to influence more of our planning developments, more of our highways, so that we, we start to capitalise on what we saw during the pandemic, that people were moving more, people see the benefits of it moving more. If we can get physical activity written into our commissions, then actually we will start to see more services believing that physical activity has a massive impact on mental health, on recovery, etc. So for me personally, who doesn't naturally want to be physically active, it's about if the physical environment and people can fit it into their everyday life and just move a little bit more, then to me, that's going to have a massive impact on health inequalities in Bolton. You are a brilliant advocate, Tracy. (laughs) I have no doubt the people listening are feeling very inspired. And if there's somebody out there, again, who thinks, well, actually, our organisation or us as a partner in the system could be doing more, what would you invite them to do? Get in touch with us because we've been doing a mapping exercise over the last few months and we've identified partners groups we never knew existed no way honestly (laughs) unbelievable when you start asking people we have a boxing club who I've known for 18 years what I didn't know is they have a vet section of the boxing club they have a mental health section of the boxing club and just by our facilitators going out and spending time and having conversations with them we're finding out. So if you are one of those that we're, we're not aware of, come and speak to us because we want to work with everybody. We're, e- we're even working with little bats and they're bat watchers. But it's great. Every Just get in touch. We want to work with everybody. It's a role for everyone, isn't there? Yes. Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Tracy. Real joy to have our conversation. And uh, the future looks bright. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank Enjoy you. the sunny day. Yes. Get out. <laughs> On your bike. On your bike. <laughs> On your bike. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this GM Moving podcast episode. We've heard how moving matters to everybody and how we can all play a role to design moving back into everyday life. Now, we'd love to hear how you keep moving and the ways you are supporting others to live an active life. You can contact us on our socials, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Greater Sport and don't forget the hashtag DMMovingInAction. Please do share this episode with people and organisations who will find it useful. And join the movement for movement. A big thank you to everyone who's investing in this work and playing their part to test, to learn and to make this happen. This series is a Mike Media production.